Welcome to Customer Value Cast, a podcast dedicated to helping you acquire, retain, and expand more customers by putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle. Join our host, Ross Fulton, founder and CEO of ValueWise, as he dives deep into how reoccurring revenue businesses are maximizing their growth and valuations with the industry's leading experts and pioneers. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Customer Value Cast from ValueWise, the show dedicated to putting measurable value at the heart of your customer lifecycle so your business can retain and expand more revenue from your customers. Very excited today to be joined by Ali Tascunia from uh, Churn Zero, Chief Customer Officer. Ali, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Ross. Excited to get into our conversation today. We're going to start drilling into uh, what is, I think, the perennial subject of early 2023. We're in April 2023 right now, which is revenue accountability in customer success, and specifically around sort of skill sets and competencies that I think we're going to highlight as being very important and important to consider, certainly, as a competency around a CS organization carrying or maybe starting to carry that revenue accountability. But quickly, for people who are watching, listening, who maybe haven't had a chance to connect with you or indeed Churn Zero before, share some background to yourself in your journey and we'll go from there. Great. So as you said, I'm the chief customer officer of Turn Zero. Turn Zero is a customer success platform, as we know it in the industry, a CSP, right? We provide a lot of data and analytics and insights into the health of your customer base. And then we are able to action those indicators via automation, which is really cool and something that we need to be doing a lot more of in CS these days to align with this principle of more efficiency. In terms of my background, so this is my second role as a chief customer officer, previous to Churn Zero, where I was in fact a customer. I was the chief customer officer at Sendoso and then also served as vice president of customer services at Zenefits. Spent some time as a senior director at Medallia and really have lived the post-sale life cycle. So I've done everything from biz ops in professional services to professional services to selling of professional services to customer success and support and implementation. So I have dabbled in it all from a post-sale perspective. Awesome. An exciting journey and some great, great companies there that you've worked with. So let's get into our topic today. And as I say, it's framed in the macro, I'd say a very potent topic in the industry today. I'd say a topic that still creates or still has quite a lot of division within it. And that is the theme of revenue accountability and customer success. Let's start there at that headline and then we'll drill down to where we're going to go with thinking about um, skills and competencies associated with that accountability. But your thoughts, Ali, around this subject of revenue accountability in customer success, good thing, bad thing, where should it apply, where shouldn't it apply? Where do you, where do you stand on this topic? So I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian, and I have a bit of a reputation for that. Perfect. I think that it has been a mistake from the beginning of the concept of customer success that we ever talked about the idea that we couldn't be accountable for revenue. We as customer success professionals have the best relationship with the customer. 
they trust us. And as a trusted advisor, we are perfectly positioned to not only ask for the renewal and ask for the dollars associated for the renewal, but to also ask for the expansion. We have that relationship. We're already there with the customer. We should be asking for those dollars. And I think customers respect that. This idea that we had about becoming a trusted advisor and that a trusted advisor meant that you couldn't ask for those things or that you couldn't become part of a negotiation where CSMs were too junior to handle commercial terms. I've had this debate with so many customer success professionals, and it's just... I think it's really driven out of a little bit of fear, right? Fear that our customers will somehow look at us differently or they won't respect us or they won't share with us. And I just I just think that's a little bit too much of a fallacy that we put on ourselves. Well, we love contrarians on this show. But <laughs> I'm very worth, strong in my opinions, Ross. No, no, no. But for what it's worth, I say, if you're a contrarian, then so am I, because I, I fully agree. And I'd say the the industry, the domain, and what B2B technology organizations investing in, in the principles and strategies of customer success I think is is waiting towards this, let's call it contrarian view, viewpoint around the accountability and not to say that there aren't circles out there that certainly would regard that viewpoint as contrarian. I think there's almost some genealogy in having that viewpoint where like you say you have a diversified, very potent set of experiences in terms of leading in different companies. I happen to have a background like that, that sort of stretches into more pre-sales solution engineering and sales and uh, I think sort of, yeah, organically, there might be just a, an increased comfort level with the subject of revenue and accountability, which is maybe distinct from professionals. And this is not a, a critical statement at all, but it's just a, a qualitative observation, which is you've come through support or you've come through your board in customer success, so to speak, professionally. And that's been the, the journey ever since and have not necessarily just had that exposure to, to revenue and that type of accountability. Having an aversion or, a, or a being wary of it is is extremely understandable. But as you say, I think the economic forces today are demanding moving towards that accountability. And as you say, strategically, it makes, to, to us, makes a lot of sense anyway. But I think when we look at this still less than sort of 100% consistent industry around the subject, you start to then see a less than consistent and I'd say broad spectrum of competencies and skill sets within customer success organizations, within customer success managers in that role type specifically around having that accountability for revenue and being able to perform under or with that accountability. I, on a very recent episode, we had Angel from Rockwell Automation, and we talked specifically about the compensation strategy uh, that should, needs to be thought about if you're going to go down or are at this place around revenue accountability within your CS organization. Just as important to that incentivization strategy is, okay, what is the skill set? What are the competencies that you, we, we need in a CSM or a CS professional who's going to carry this revenue accountability? So we'd love to jump off there, Ali, and when, when it comes to skill sets and competencies, and I know specifically negotiation is something that you're very knowledgeable about, but how do you see that skill set competency arena playing out around CSMs and revenue accountability? Yeah, so I think it's twofold. It's not just a matter of having good negotiation skills. I think that CSMs have to also be really good consultants, right? So they have to understand, uh, they have to understand the product, 
that they are representing, right? But they also have to understand the customer's business. And to be an advocate for your customer's business, you have to fundamentally understand what they do, what they're selling, what they're delivering, and why they've purchased your product. So I think CSMs really need to dive deeply in that concept of consulting. And as, as we start to see more AI and more efficiency with more technology plays, especially in CSPs, I really passionately believe that customer success professionals are going to become more consultant-like and they're going to have a lot less to do with, you know, sending out emails and doing the touch-based conversation, even doing QBRs. There's going to be a lot more automation related to QBRs. You're going to be sending those things out digitally. So the value that a customer success professional is going to bring to the table is really helping customers understand how to optimize and adopt products. And the only way to optimize and adopt a product is fundamentally if you understand your customer's business. It's really about consulting 101. And then I think that leads anytime you're a good consultant, you're going to be a good negotiator because I don't think that CSMs are just negotiating and I think this is the piece that they sometimes forget in this fear of being responsible for revenue is they're already negotiating. They're already negotiating with their customers over, you know, support tickets or support responses. Or think about the fact that when the customer wants something different from a product, there's a feature negotiation, right? You have to go in and yes, you're going to advocate to the product team for your customer, but then you have to go back to the customer and negotiate why a product isn't actually going to deliver on the feature that you that your customer wants and still let them know that it's not the end of the world and we're still providing value to you, even though we aren't going to be able to deliver on that particular feature. That's a negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the point around the sort of the consulting, um, again, I'll just keep using the word competencies in that customer success professional profile. Would you draw a parallel or say this is connected to this concept of the evolution of a CSM or a CS professional from being a, a kind of generalist role to a specialist role? Because I guess being able to approach this slightly from a meta perspective, running a consulting company in the customer success space, certainly knowing sort of or believing what what is important from a consulting perspective is specialism. It is specialist knowledge and not being just that generalist consultant who knows a, a bit about a lot of things, but isn't really sort of the leading expert specialist in really how you kind of get to this outcome or solve this particular problem. If you run with that and apply that as a consulting dynamic to then a CSM, you start to think about more specialist CSMs versus the generalist CSMs. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. I think that that is the future. They are definitely going to have to build more of those competencies related to specialties within the product, specialties within industries, specialties within verticals. Absolutely. That is the future. And that is where they're going to start to excel in their careers. Yeah. The days of the generalist, I think, are probably kind of over or diminishing quite a bit. It's really all about what is the specific piece of information or value that you can bring to your customer that is, is going to drive the future of customer success. And if I, and I put on that thread a little more, and there's been, uh, let, I would say, 
the last couple of years, especially the last year, a surge in a skill set and a almost a domain that's been around since enterprise tech has been around, around value engineering. And I'll call it value consulting to connect it back to this conversation thread. Uh, in the last year to two years, there's been this surge around or resurgence around value engineering teams, value consulting teams, et cetera. And accordingly, the skill set and the competencies in a role around being able to do, in quotation marks, value consulting, value engineering. I mean, we have a value engineering competency in our framework in ValueWise uh, because we do think it's a very important skill set and capability. Uh, when you, Ali, talk about consulting and that consulting mm-hmm. capability in a CSM, would you connect it to, at least partially, to that value consulting concept? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we we in CS have to drive, and it's interesting when you see this with junior teams, is they really need to understand the business. And I understand that that can be very hard when you maybe have to carry a very large book of business, but that is what's going to set you apart from anybody else. And so if you understand why the customer bought your product and you understand the efficiency that they're trying to drive with your um, with your product and to be able to look kind of a little bit outside of the box of just what the product is going to deliver, but what the business is doing. Yeah, that is absolutely the next step, I think, for customer success professionals. You know, I, I think you really have to, again, I don't want to keep, it's hard to not keep going down this path of, but why did they buy? Like they're trying to obviously solve a problem and it feels very much like we skip over that in a lot of, you know, in the sales handoff. I always go back to that at the end of the day, why did they buy us? Why did they buy us? What are they trying to do? Let's try to keep it simple, but let's understand why did they buy us? And it's funny because that seems like a very simple question to answer And yet I've seen multiple times where salespeople and CS people will struggle to sharply articulate why a customer buys the product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. And I think... And and, and, sorry, Ross, but to just finish up on the value engineering point, it's it's kind of like, how are you going to be able to deliver value? How are you going to be able to talk about the value of your product if you don't actually know what you're you're trying to solve for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think very connected to that is the reality where in B2B, especially companies selling into later stage through the enterprise B2B companies, the buyer who might know, might know why they bought this is not necessarily the person who's uh, accountable and has the, is the stakeholder, let alone the actual user in adopting what has been bought. And so it's all very well potentially knowing, okay, this is why they bought. This was the value sale that was made at point of purchase, or maybe even in an expansion purchase context. But now this stakeholder, set of stakeholders and set of users who are now, I need to get adopting this purchase and realizing value from it. Do they know why? No. In too many cases, no. And so again, to your point, it behooves the customer success professional, the post-sales roles to be able to perform that value consulting because it's often, okay, we've got to, we've got to do this again. And a lot of that gets connected as a subject to, well, it's because 
the value sale and the agreement around value wasn't properly transitioned from sales to post-sales, from sales to customer success. And yes, that doesn't get done well in a lot of companies. But even if it is done well, again, it's often a transition of, of IP around the account and around sort of their perception of value related to stakeholders who aren't actually that prominent around the actual adoption journey and the value realization. And so we've got to do it again anyway. And so having this skill set is, I think, is, I agree, it's the future. It's something we're seeing and helping out as value-wise and increasingly plan on doing that because we're seeing the demand and we're seeing the need. And to go back to the point that you raised about, you know, what are those skills? So to me, a really good consultant is all about asking questions and feeling comfortable in asking questions, right? And I think sometimes that's another thing I see of CS professionals is they feel like they need to have all the answers as opposed to just being curious. Let's just be curious. You know, and one of the things I find so interesting and exciting about working with customers is they love to talk about their product. They love to talk about their product and service, get them to talk about their product and service. And to your point, if the stakeholder understands why they bought, but, you know, the people who are actually doing the implementation don't necessarily see that or understand that, ask the question, you know, and ask, you know, ask for the meeting from the buyer. It's okay to ask those questions and and to keep, I think, honestly repeating, are we still on the same path, right? Because business changes, goals, objectives, KPIs, things change in a business. You've got to continue to bring that back up. Are we, in fact, you know, tracking any kind of progress to why you bought this in the first place? Are we actually achieving your goals? And if not, maybe the goal has changed. So let's reevaluate and let's have another discussion about that, which again, that's what consultants do and they do really, really well. Yeah, uh, totally. Totally agree. I took us slightly off piste as I tend to do on this show. <laughs> uh, let's go back to revenue accountability skill sets, which would yes. certainly relate, very relevant to this consulting and value consulting competency, but negotiation. I think it's fascinating because it, and when we were preparing to record this episode and you suggested, hey, well, let's talk about this. I'm like, oh, wow, that's super interesting. You don't hear, you don't hear that much conversation, or at least I don't, around negotiation skills in customer success, in CSMs. Uh, you don't hear that as a common conversation, but it's a uh, very interesting subject. And you, you outlined some I guess, scenarios where, hey, here's where negotiation would be important. Any thoughts around why, I guess, you looked at your, I'd say, typical, which may not be even a thing that exists, but a typical customer success manager skills matrix or assessment type of template, you don't tend to see negotiation on it. Why do you think that is? Because I, th- I think we, it kind of goes back to this, how, how we started and how we marketed the concept of customer success and that somehow relationship management, which I hate that term, but relationship management doesn't involve, you know, any kind of negotiation. I don't know how you have any kind of relationship with any human being, whether it be business or personal, and there not be some level of negotiation that has to take place, right? And I think in coming up in my career, you know, I had a leader once 
who joked, of course, about you're always, always be selling, right? Always be closing. But the reality is that's what we do every day on a daily basis. We're always selling. We're either selling ourselves, we're selling a product, we're selling our business. I, I mean, that's just what we do in our daily life. So this idea that somehow because you were the quarterback of the account, or you were involved in relationship management, that you you weren't going to have a negotiation with a customer. And, and I think that people took that to, again, this, this concept of a trusted advisor. How can you be a trusted advisor if you're not having a negotiation with somebody, right? A negotiation simply means that you're trying to walk away with the best outcome for both parties. Really, like that's a successful negotiation. If both parties walk away feeling like they've gotten something out of the discussion, they've walked away with something that they want, that's a successful negotiation, right? That That is relationship management. That is a part of being a trusted advisor. I think we just need to be much more bold in stating that. And I think there's also, there's been, always been this kind of negative impact between sales and post-sales, right? And there's always this, you know, this friction between the two organizations. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I've never understood why, because at the end of the day, we can't exist in post-sales if, if, if our friends in sales aren't selling. So at the end of the day, we need to be much more supportive of each other. And again, I think... Also, from a customer perspective, it's just, you know, it's better not to be handed off to so many different people like, oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't talk commercial terms with you. I can only talk to you about the value of the product and how to optimize it and how to adopt it. And then you have to talk to this other person when we actually go through and, and deal with, with terms. It, that doesn't make sense. And I don't think that's a good customer experience either. No, 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 no. As a customer, it's it's arguably sort of disconcerting to not be challenged by my service provider because I'm like, well, I, I don't have all the answers and I, I want you to, right. I mean, there's, there's a difference between outright disagreeing and being told I'm wrong, which I think is an absolutely appropriate thing for a, a customer success professional to do with a customer. But there's then there's the more maybe middle ground, which is, Okay, we don't fully agree or can't fully meet that. Let's negotiate. I think I wonder if if some of this absence or at least lack of prioritization around negotiating skills in CS is attached to this almost very very fundamental concept of service and like well we're here to serve the customer. This is customer service. And when you serve a customer, you're providing a service, we start to get to consumer mindsets and we think of, okay, I've got a server in a restaurant and you, know, you don't typically have a server negotiate with you. I mean, you can, I could say, well, what about this scenario, that scenario? But generally it's like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever this person needs me to do in the, in the context of being their server in this restaurant. And I wonder how much of that has been sort of carried over, inherited organically mm -hmm. or, other, or otherwise into customer success and to say, well, no, we're here to serve. We're not here to negotiate because that negotiation, the other word that springs to mind for me when I think negotiation is partnership in that I negotiate quotation marks with my wife on a daily basis because we have a partnership. Right. I often lose those negotiations, but I try. <laughs> um, and, and like business partnerships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So thinking again of this dynamic between customer 
and vendor and specifically customer success professional in that vendor and customer as a partnership and therefore you negotiate is maybe a, a lens that you can use to sort of start to create a comfort level with this theme of negotiation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think you're right in that we came from this background of service. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, okay, well, we're in service of the customer, which means, I guess the translation, though, to me, I struggle even having been in services, customer service, is that that doesn't always mean, you know, there's a saying that the customer is always the customer, but the customer isn't always right. Right. So even if we are in service of the customer, we still have to do the best thing for the customer. And they don't always know the best thing because, again, we're going to know the product or we're going to know the service much better than the customer ever could. So it does go back to your point about partnership. I think that's a really good way to state it. You can't have any kind of partnership without negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get down to the more actionable takeaways here for people listening and watching around this negotiation theme. And I want to loop back first to just to play back, I think what was some very important points and examples you were giving around what are the scenarios over the course of a customer life cycle or customer journey that a, a CSM might be managing where negotiation skills is especially important because I think that provides a bit of a sort of sub framework for either a CSM or CS professional listening to this, or indeed a leader listening or watching this to say, okay, there's an architecture I can go back into my company and say, hey, these three, four, five milestones or, or events in our customer's journey, they're super important. They include the need to be able to negotiate. Therefore, let's invest and take some time to develop some negotiation skills. So giving them that that architecture, that framework, I think is, is super helpful. So one example you gave was, product feature requests, which I think is a really good one. Maybe drill into that and just replay some of the other examples you gave earlier. Yeah. So I, I think that obviously you're going to be negotiating when the customer wants specific features, especially when they're not on the roadmap. So you have to be mm -hmm. an advocate for the product team as well and explain to your customer why that's not going to happen, but still driving the benefit and the value that they're already seeing from the platform. I think in terms of implementation, there's always a negotiation always in implementation, right? Because there is the dream that is sold in sales. And, and this is not any, you know, this is not any ill intent or ill will to my sales counterparts. But of course, there's this a vision that is provided to a customer. And then in implementation, we have to come in and we have to give you the reality of what we can feasibly do in this moment in time, right? That's a negotiation as well. So implementation folks need to have those negotiation skills. And then I think there's always you know, if you have a separate implementation team, which I hope that those listening do, <laughs> there is a bit of a negotiation that has to take place once implementation is done, right? Because inevitably the customer feels comfortable with implementation, their implementation people, and they want to always reach out to those people to answer questions, especially technical questions, as opposed to moving on to support or talking to their CSM, right? And then there's always the negotiation around what happens at renewal and being able to ask that question, you know, we're 120 days out from the renewal, but are you, if I asked you today, Ross, are you ready to renew? 
you've got to be able to ask that question. That's a negotiation right there. Maybe you're not. Great. Let's have this conversation about what we need to do to get you to renew or, you know, what is it that we're missing? So that's a, a negotiation. And then obviously when you start to talk about different features and different products that the customer could benefit from immediately, you know, I, I do this when vendors come to me, I'm like, well, but I'm already paying you X amount of dollars. Why, why is this an additional fee? You should just be giving this to me for free because I'm a fantastic customer. Yes. Yes, you are, Allie, a fantastic customer. But in fact, you know, this is a business and, and here's the value you're going to receive from this additional product. So, I mean, you're negotiating through the entire life cycle, customer life cycle, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great, some great examples there to uh, maybe enable a leader to prioritize. Okay, let's really make sure we're we're armed with the right negotiating skills, playbooks. And then, yeah, there's something you never see really is like where's my negotiating playbook and customer right. success. We might have risk playbooks, etc. Which again, you can argue contain elements or seeds or should contain seeds of negotiating, but you don't ever see a negotiating playbook. playbook. Which, right. So let's get to that. Any recommendations on resources? Places to go for either maybe a CSM listening to this or indeed a leader listening to this, looking for resources maybe to use themselves for their team or give to their team around negotiating skills, books, frameworks, methodologies, anything you'd recommend? There's so much out there. I don't even know where I would start, but here's what I would say to any CS leader who is listening. I would go to your CRO or I'd go to your VP of sales and say, the next time you do a sales training, please let my team come and join in. And here's why. It's going to be a better relationship for us between sales and customer success. It's going to be a better experience for the customer. And it's just going to drive more efficiency in terms of who's going to be responsible for those numbers. So go make, you know, you're already friends with your CRO or your VP of sales, but to say that you want to invest in your team and have them take the same training that your salespeople are taking, every time I've done that with a a CRO or a VP of sales, they always kind of look at me and they're like, that's a great idea. Yeah, I really like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that. It's also more cost effective. The CFO loves it, right? Yes, you're training more people, but at the end of the day, it's going to be a bigger benefit to to the company. So that would be my first pass. And then the second thing is, that, I mean, there's so much out there. I don't know that I have one methodology that I would recommend. I think it really starts with whatever, you know, sales methodology your sales leader is using. I would just, I would just make sure that you're leveraging that in the post-sale world as well. Yeah. I think it's a great connection there between this negotiating skill set and sales methodologies because something not by far not all of them, but some out there do have some really good content and models that really tie to this negotiation theory, like the challenger sales methodology. I mean, it's almost in the name challenge, challenge slash AKA negotiate and even like Sandler, et cetera, they all have a lot of this baked in. So I think, uh, yeah, that's a really good actionable one to consider. Yeah. And then my other recommendation is not necessarily a methodology, but I think it's the thing we we like least probably in CS, call coaching, as much call coaching as you can do and role playing. 
Whenever you have your team meetings, get a CSM to get up there with a difficult negotiation and play it through role play. I know it's uncomfortable. We all hate it. Oh, don't pick on me to do the role playing. But the more role playing you do, the better you get at it. The more comfortable you get at it, the less emotion is involved in it. And I think it also helps the CSM to understand that, you know, you're not being a bad advocate because you have to have a difficult conversation because you have to negotiate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah that coaching and, and yeah, leveraging conversational intelligence around, okay, how are my TSMs really forming on the negotiation front? It's very, very doable. There's lots of, we're doing some exciting stuff around that type of concept across a number of CS or sort of customer value competencies and negotiating would be a great example of that. But yeah, as you say, for anyone watching, listening, there, yeah, there's a plethora of other resources out there on the subject of negotiation, B2B negotiation. I, mean, I personally am just wrapping up reading the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, who's the FBI hostage negotiator and uh, I think it's a very famous book. Uh, like, arguably a somewhat cliched recommendation today, but it is a really good book. I found it super actionable and the, the way it's structured, totally you can lift that and say, okay, here's how you could apply that to dealing with negotiating with customers across many of the scenarios you uh, you outlined before, Ali. So let's wrap it up there. I think that's a good set of takeaways for, for our listeners and viewers. Ali, if, if anyone would like to connect with you and continue this conversation or ask ask any other questions, how can people best uh, connect with you? You can reach out to me on LinkedIn at Allison Tascornia, and you can also reach out to me directly at churnzero at atascornia at churnzero.com. Perfect. Well, Ali, really appreciate your time today and all your insights. Super interesting. Very, very helpful. Really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for the discussion, Ross. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And for everyone watching, listening, thanks for joining us. Again, check out www.valuewise.co for lots of resources covering a lot of the subjects and Ali and I talked about today. And in the meantime, ValueWise yourself, ValueWise your customers, and we'll uh, see you next time.